Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 13, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 1 through 11, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, and Psalm 138. We are... Today we, have, we are in the middle of a series. So this is sermon four of a four sermon series today. Um, looking at cities at the crossroads, Cincinnati and Corinth. We're dealing with the epistle. And I find it not strange that we get the opportunity to explore a place that is not too far from our own reality. And so I'm grateful that we are able to share briefly during this time. I want to lift up passage of scripture for us to consider as we think about the ways in which the text speaks to us. And it simply says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, so that you may come into belief. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. For the brief time that we have this evening to share, I'd like to speak to you from this thought, cooperation at the crossroads. Cooperation at the crossroads. Corinth was a bustling metropolis in this time, known for the cosmopolitan ways in which cultures come together, the lack of judgment, the freedom of expression, the free flow of money, the ways in which people came to this isthmus separating the mainland from the Peloponnesian Peninsula. This city, Corinth, was home of the isthmus games, second only to the Olympics in terms of its prominence. So Paul's metaphor of striving to win a race takes shape in his time in Corinth. The apostle Paul loves this church, thinks so much of this church that when he gets reports that this church is having problems, he is greatly perplexed. So the book of 1st and 2nd I mean Corinthians puts us in this interesting space of seeing Paul respond to issues that we can't quite see in real time. So these fragments of letters are cobbled together to give us a broader correspondence of the ways in which Paul wants to help the people at this crossroads function. Corinth, at this crossroads of economic, political, social interchange, a place where people came to lay down their physical, mental, and emotional burdens. Some commentators say it is like New York, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas all in one. Some of us would have a heart attack just on site. But what's interesting about Corinth is that it is known for its many temples. Temples to the emperor, temples to various gods, temples where people are able to show their appreciation by offering food, offering their bodies to these gods in the service of the emperor. And it seems that Paul understood the ways in which we love to put things on pedestals. He understood the way that we love to idolize. 
And so for these people who saw themselves to be free thinking and cosmopolitan, they still found themselves subjected to their flesh, bowing to idols of stone. And this was at odds with their service and faith in Yahweh. But we are not as advanced as our Corinthian brothers, so we like to think we're not as far from the experience of our Corinthian sisters. In fact, idol worship persists in our day. Some of them are more overt, the worship of money, the worship of power and prestige. Some of them are a little more subtle, the worship of ourselves in the mirror. But there is this sneaky idol that we all pay homage to if we are not careful. It's an idol that demands our total devotion. It demands even the energy that we don't have. It is the idol of hard work. We, as Americans, love hard work because hard work helps to hold the cohesiveness of our narrative. You work hard, you're able to achieve. You can start at one social class and through hard work, you're able to build yourself up. Corinth was no different because it was a mercantile city, a place where people came to exchange. You could start off being poor and over a few years become extremely wealthy. This division is what Paul was writing about in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, this division among saints, the ways in which the Lord's table was being separated by the haves and the have-nots. So this division along these subtle lines of hard work are at work in this text. So for us who gather today, what does that mean for us? It means that we are having to give an account for our lives based on the ways in which we worshiped how hard we work. We love the culture of grinding, of not sleeping. We live in the insomniac culture. We have young people who don't sleep in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, up all night, college students who don't sleep on barbiturates and amphetamines trying to stay awake. You have professionals trying to live up to their professional responsibilities, laying aside family, friend, and even self, laying everything that they have and all that they might be to the idol of hard work. Hard work defines us. Hard work creates a circle of in and out. We have those of the extremely wealthy persuasion who say, I've been able to make it this far by the dint of my hard work. But it's interesting to see that while we have people who are unable to pay for the basics, food, clothing, and shelter, Rolls Royce is making more Rolls Royces than ever before. There is a run on private planes, so there is a backlog now. Meanwhile, people are struggling to find basics. We're living in this dichotomous motif whereby hard work defines us. Therefore, the Apostle Paul takes this concept of hard work and nuances it so that we can understand where we are in these times. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, at this crossroads of Corinth in the church, at this crossroads of Cincinnati in the church of the Redeemer, Paul says, I worked harder than any of them. Paul is not speaking to works righteousness here. 
He's not saying that he earned God's merit and God's favor. In fact, he's saying he works harder than those who even saw Jesus in the flesh because he understands God's grace toward him. He turns the logic around. He does not say you must work to earn God's favor, but because we've been lavished with grace so abundant, it compels us to act differently in the present. Paul's hard work is not based on self, but his hard work is based upon the act of God already extended to him through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. This cooperative spirit that is engaging at the crossroads is, is apparent here when it says, but by the grace of God that is with me. Oh, how richer our lives would be if we saw the grace of God as ever present, ongoing companion to our journey instead of something we must earn as a stern father uh, slowly doles out praise to a child. No, God is saying, I'm already proud of you. I see the depth of your depravity and I've offered grace for that. But all you have to do is accept that. But upon accepting the deep grace that God provides, we are also invited to work. Maybe that's what the disciples felt when they were engaged by this Jesus. They said to him, Master, we've been out here all night, have caught nothing. Fishermen who caught nothing. I wish I had more time to talk about that. But fishermen who caught nothing are having to turn their lives, their energy, and their predicament over to the one who is the master of the sea and the creator of all things. And their response to Jesus saying, let down your net on the other side was that they had to work harder after that encounter. They asked for help. God bless us. Give us what we need. And Jesus says, okay. And now they must call in others to help with the catch because the grace of God was so abundant. The text says that the nets were ripping as they were pulling in the catch. Maybe that harkens back to Isaiah who said he saw the Lord seated on the throne high and lifted up. And after this encounter with God, he has to then go out for the same God who called him for the work. The hard work that is spoken for in our text today speaks to the fact that we cannot encounter a God who lavishes the richness of God's grace upon us for us to sit on our blessed assurance. There has to be something deeper. There has to be something more profound than just working hard for working hard's sake, working hard for a pension, working hard to retire, working hard to enjoy the middle class creature comforts of American civilization. It is this God who calls us to something deeper, calls us to something higher. And the Apostle Paul says, it is the grace of God that was cooperating with me operating, cooperating with me. I am working with the grace that has already been working. How much could some of us sleep better at night 
if we recognize that we are cooperating with God. Not telling God about what we need done and telling God when we need to have it done. But to know that God cares about this world and those in it so much that God has already been afoot changing this world while we were yet not even thought of. It is this God here who put the grace and set it aside so that the Apostle Paul can come into the full knowledge of God. So the Apostle Paul is able to say it is not that I work hard because I'm the best apostle. I work hard because God is cooperating with me and I with God so that whether it is all the other apostles or myself, the larger point is clear. We proclaim. Isn't that a great testimony for a church like this? We proclaim of the goodness of God. We proclaim about how God has made Cincinnati better because of us. We proclaim that God has turned our lives inside out and upside down for the glory of God. We publicly proclaim so that you may believe. May that be our testimony as we leave here today. We proclaim and we work hard not to earn God's grace, but because of God's grace. And if we're able to cooperate with the God who's already been operating, maybe the world will change for the better. Amen.